Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to Double Hot Beat, episode 61, where we're taking the pulse of the beer and brewing scene. I'm James, a home brewer and beer enthusiast. And I'm Shannon, a beer intermediate. We are in the thick of fall now, James. The and it is spooky season. The thick of fall? Or do you mean the falling leaves are so thick that if you're in New England and you're trying to rake all those leaves out of your yard? You might need a tasty beverage afterwards. <laughs> yes, I'd say so. <laughs> I have a fall joke for you, James. Oh, no. Which goes along with one of the beers that we recently brewed. Okay. How do you fix it. a broken pumpkin? How do you fix a broken pumpkin? Yes. I give up. A pumpkin patch. Oh, <laughs> I tell great jokes. There'll be more to come once I get some Laffy Taffy. Ha 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 ha. That's funny. <laughs> it wasn't a joke, but okay, thanks. Oh, I, th- I thought you were making another joke. That I thought you were following up a joke with a joke. That's my, that's my, my no. point. <laughs> but what is not a joke is that we've been busy recently. Doing some new brews, trying some new equipment. Just getting into the swing of the homebrew brewery. Yeah, I think we were trying to fill up our kegerators and our our bar that's now in place just because we have we're going to do a we do a Halloween themed party every year and we haven't we, been <laughs> We do a Halloween themed party? We do a themed Halloween party? Yeah, isn't that the same thing? <laughs> I guess. I guess the party is themed as Halloween, but yes, sure. Okay. So clearly we weren't able to do one last year. And this year, we know we we couldn't do one of our usual caliber. However, we could still decorate and have the beers like we usually do, dab beers. Dab beers, yeah. Yeah, so we got hard at work, filling up those kegs and putting them into your kegerator, your your three three tap. Yeah, the three tap kegerator and then a single tap kegerator for those specialty limited brews. Mm Mm-hmm. Can't wait. Actually, Shannon's beer uh, that she'll talk about in a minute will actually be that limited brew. Yes, it is like a nano brewery in our basement. Which is what our neighbors have said. (laughs) Yes. But one of the things that we've been doing as we've been brewing these new beers, which we will talk about in a few minutes, is James, you got a steam condenser lid a while back. And the first time you brewed on your new SS Brew Tech System, you did not use it, but the past couple times you have. I was wondering if you could give everyone some of your feedback on how it's been going, and are there any tips, tricks, hacks that you would recommend if someone's going to get the seam condenser lid? What should they be on the lookout for? And what should they expect, yeah. I think? I think a lot of the reviews on it are very accurate on... What to the, expect? The spike. Yeah, this is so. This is uh, the spike steam condenser uh, that I ended up going with, and one of the and again it does on their website as well. They do direct you that it d- does fit the SS Brewtech kettles. So I did find that mine fit quite snugly and mm-hmm. perfect. So that wasn't an issue for me. So some things that I would consider looking into when you're deciding: Do you want to use a steam condenser lid to begin with? Uh, and I think I touched on it on another episode, not to bore with repeat comments, but I do think it is important when you're thinking about, do you go with a conventional hood over your boil kettle like you would see over your stove at home, whether it's got, you have the ability to vent out the air. Basically, you just want to 
get that steam going outside your house or basement where you're brewing if you're using electric brewing, which is, of course, why one of the best benefits of electric brewing is being able to brew inside your house, uh, unlike propane, where it would not be safe to do so. So that would be my first recommendation of, do you have somewhere where you're going to have your boil kettle? Is it close to an area where you could feasibly vent it outside using your conventional hood? You know, calculate the cost of doing that and then look at, okay, well, the steam condenser lid, what makes it great? Well, what makes it great, Shannon, is you don't actually have to vent anything outside. Mm -hmm. So that's key. And that's, I guess, why I chose that route. And also, I kind of was thinking in terms of reusing water and sustainability. And that's actually one of the negatives that I'm going to talk about with this steam condenser. It uses a lot of water. And if you don't use that water wisely and you just put it, flush it basically down, if you have a drain in your home brewery Mm -hmm. and you're just flushing that water down the drain, it's such a waste of water. For example, I did a five-gallon batch using the steam condenser lid and it used about more more than triple the amount of water that I was brewing for that five-gallon batch. So just think about that. I could have brewed almost three batches of beer using the water it took to Mm -hmm. condense that steam out so our basement didn't have any steam the the positives i do want to say and i want to make this very clear the positives are a hundred percent there there was zero steam coming Mm -hmm. out of this once after the hot break of course you don't want to have that on for that initial once it goes up to your 212 or your boiling tap and that foam just rises quickly that hot break you want to have that off just for that moment to make sure you can stir that down once that's under control i'd say give it maybe two to five minutes once that happens then you know put your condensing lid on and you're steam free literally steam free i mean shannon Mm -hmm. helped me put up the the plastic sheeting over our to protect our insulation insulation on our ceiling um, to try and help remediate any risk of the steam and again going from my grandfather Mm -hmm. that you guys have seen in the our instagram videos and our brew off with gareth and caitlin Mm -hmm. make sure you check that out if you haven't already again that was showing our grandfather system and not this new system that i have but you could see a lot of steam coming into the basement and we did have windows open we did have fans so again that's stuff you could also do to help cut down that steam if you don't have the condensing lid but again it's not a solution and it's i I would highly recommend going either your conventional hood or the steam condenser back to the steam condenser so it works great as advertised they do say it does use a lot of water so Mm -hmm. they're not they weren't you know conning people that you know it uses they told you up front but i think you really developed a good system the first time around i wasn't you were actually brewing with one of our friends zach and you guys were kind of it ran out of water fast, especially like even for the five gallon batch. So when we went and did this last 10 gallon, we, you rolled you, I just observed you were the brains behind the idea. You went, <laughs> James is making it face me like, Oh, thanks for calling me the brains. We're getting on record folks. My wife has says that I have brains. This is, <laughs> this is amazing. All the husbands out there that just have been trying to get their wives on tape. Here's what you got to do. You got to have a home brewing podcast, get your wife for to three do it. years for and three then... years, for three years, the long haul. And then, then she will say you have brain. Yes. 
But you came up with the, well, I don't know if you came up with the idea, but you decided to buy the large trash bins from Lowe's and use those to kind of run the water and make sure there was enough. And I think I only had to add, I think, five gallons at one point, like a five-gallon bucket of water. Yep. And that was it. So, and and that was going almost, we were almost down to the last, like, probably three inches, like the sensor or the vacuum whatever's at the very bottom was almost exposed by the time we were done. So yeah, I think uh, one of the biggest learning curves was just to have your, your, you're going to need two different containers, one for the cold water that's going to be using the little uh, submersible pump that it includes, the condenser lid includes, and that's going to pump your cold water going into your condensing lid. So then as that boiling water and that steam comes up, that uh, the piping, that cold water is going to hit it. It's going to make it into hot water instead. And that's going to come out as your wastewater from another mm-hmm. tube. And so you're going to need a kind of like a wastewater collection vessel or bucket. And then you're also going to need the bucket that holds your starting cold water that as soon as you plug that in, that's going to start shooting that cold water um, into your condensing lid. So again, the five gallon batch that I had our friend Zach helped me out and he was getting into home brewing as well. Shout out mm-hmm. Zach, if you're listening uh, from the quarantine club, awesome playlists. I listened to that on my brew days. He, he actually was in charge. Well, he volunteered to be the, the, was he the water, water boy. And so he was just ma- making sure that during that brew day, the water didn't level, didn't get too low in the cold water bucket or too high in the hot water bucket and that's also something i want to specify here um you don't want to create a vacuum which would then defeat the purpose of the condensing lid and then you could actually get water going into your your wart and you no one wants that so you just want to make sure that that downspout coming out of the condensing lid that wastewater that tubing never gets submerged under water and i did try this on purpose without wart and just used hot water in it when it is submerged it will create a vacuum and again this is all common knowledge that is out there spike is very open about it and mm-hmm. wants people to be aware of it so that it doesn't happen and i think they have a couple notes on there saying you know be careful of this be careful of that which yep. is great to great to see so again i was using the standard my old homebrew buckets that i started my fermenters Again, reusing what you already have in a creative way. Again, using a bucket. It's not really creative. but <laughs> You're just getting a big head now. You're, first I said you had brains. Now you say you're creative. I'm, a, I'm already regressing here, folks. You're just, you know, trying to get everything tonight. But yeah, so I went from the using the, I think that there's six and a half gallon buckets and then con- using our garden hose to refill the cold bucket. Mm-hmm. And then again, the thing you have to think about is you have to empty out that waste bucket numerous times at least it was at least three to four times in the five gallon batch yeah go get your large trash bins and they even sell these dollies that actually you can actually use your trash bin and hook onto the bottom so that you can actually wheel it which is what i ended up going with again it was 40 dollar total purchase Mm -hmm. price and that solved the issue of having to constantly watch and fill those buckets uh, of water and emptying the buckets of water during the brew day which is just you want to enjoy your brew days you want to focus on the beer not this wastewater and again so sustainability here um, at spice city brewing 
and with Double Hoppy Podcast, we reuse that water um, to do our initial cleaning of our brewing system and all the little accessories that we had used during our brew day, which is a great way of reusing the water. Again, we haven't piped up yet using tubing, um, connections to our garden, so we could use that. It's just water that you wouldn't want to drink, but it's still water. So yeah, so overall experience, uh, steam condenser lid was a huge, huge success, but the one con is the amount of water used. In the 10-gallon batch, it was almost 30 gallons of water. Yeah, it was a lot. Used. A lot of water. So I was like thinking to myself, James, is there a way that we could just cut down the amount of water this uses? Can we s- put some kind of a mechanism on the pump so it only pumps the amount of water to equal out what you need to condense basically the purpose of the condensing lid? Well, I don't have that kind of brains. <laughs> So then I thought to myself, James, could you freeze some, you know, two liter bottles and basically make your cold water like an ice bath almost? And then you would have your waste water also going back into that same one. If you have that piping hot water going going back into your cold water, then that defeats the purpose of the cold water going Mm -hmm. in. However, if you could get that temp down in that... You could like cold crash it in between so you can get it back to being cold. Yeah. So I know Spike, they said like, I think someone asked like, oh, is there a way that you could just put Cycle the water? Yeah. And they said pretty much no. Um, But I'm I'm wondering if someone's done it. If homebrewers, if you're out there listening, if you have the Spike condensing lid and you've tried this, let me know. I do plan to try it out on a dummy beer or a wart, just a waste wart. If I have a bad batch of beer and I'm just going to try and um, just use it as an experiment in the boil kettle. The other con that I had with the condensing lid was the little sight glass on it that it comes with never really gets clear enough where you could actually see what's going on in your boil kettle. I know everyone was comment. I posted on the spike thread, my question of has anyone had any luck or tips and tricks on using that and being able to see in and actually Ben, the founder of spike had responded to that saying, Oh, use a flashlight. And I'm like, well, yeah, I used a flashlight. You could use the headlamp that my mom gave me for Christmas a couple of years ago. Just wear that. Yeah. Put your face up to the steam condenser. Yeah, smart. Put your forehead up to a (laughs) hot lid. Yeah. But yeah, so it you could see a little bit, but again, the steam was enough where you couldn't really make out what what was going on, but didn't really have an issue with that. Mm-hmm. And again, I had the picture with the clamp on. I also tried it with the clamp off. Still, same difference. Used a flashlight from my phone. Worked enough. But again, that yeah, would be... Just be aware if you're Yeah, be aware. But those two improvements I would see if they could do anything with that product would be one, figuring out a sight glass that doesn't... Steam up. Steam up, fog as, up. <laughs> as much. I mean, it is. you can only do so much. Yeah, steam. I'm and, sure NASA has something that doesn't steam up. Yeah, I'm sure it would probably bring the cost from like two fifty <laughs> for the whole thing to like five thousand. So I mean, it's worth it. No steam. <laughs> no, it's worth it. No steam. You could see in it. What do you see in it? Oh, it's just uh, a bunch oh, of. Oh, there's wart. water. Yeah, boiling. Wart, yeah. <laughs> boiling water. Great. Thanks. So yeah, I would say the amount of water used and the sight glass yeah. were the two negatives that I would have. Positive. It did its job. Okay. Yeah. Well, I hope some people found that helpful. Thanks, James. And if they didn't, oh, well, Shannon says I'm smart. So. 
Moral of the story. Moral of the story. James is smart for tonight. In other news, I have, I'm, I'm going to be the one talking about a beer that I, well, you helped me brew, but I was there. Oh, spooky. <laughs> That's scary. So awesome. I, uh, a while ago, well, not a while ago, I guess it wasn't, it wasn't that long ago, but I bought a smashed pumpkin ale recipe from Northern Brewer and we finally made it on uh, the beginning of this month. And so we worked together. Well, you let me kind of take the lead on doing the steps, but you helped me out because I was using your new system for the first time and I hadn't, I've only observed you. I have not actually used it. I've only used my Pico brew. So, well, and to be fairness to you, Shan, you've also used the grandfather and you were familiar with that. Yes. Yes. I was not familiar with all of the, uh, new connections and the pumps and the, the valves. Yeah. And the, the what's going to open where shiny and, buttons. Yeah. It was a lot larger than I expected. That's what she said. I knew folks. you were going to say that. I knew you were going to say that. Anyway, so we brewed the Smashing Pumpkin Ale uh, on October 1st, and my grain bill, James, I will tell you, because I know you're dying to know, Yes, uh, was two-row German Munich malt, a caramel 80 and caramel 60. I think it went pretty well. We um, got hit the original gravity, which was 1.05, so right on the money there. Right on the money. Yeah. And then when we checked it last weekend, I believe it was, it was 1.02 slash 1.01 because we used two different methods, the hydrometer and the refractometer. And the hydrometer was the 1.01 and the refractometer was the 1.02. So we're going to check it again this weekend and see where it's at and then hopefully keg it up for the party. We did try it though. We did. Yeah, no, it was sample. good. I probably, for my t- liking, I next time I would add a little bit more spices. I There was very... It was very subtle, I thought, at least when we tried it. But that's one is not carbonated or anything, so we'll see what happens when yeah, and I throw think, some CO2 in I there. I think their recipe called for, what, like a teaspoon of pumpkin spice? Yeah, pumpkin included. pie spice, Yeah, which is just a mixture of usually like nutmeg, ginger, cinnamon, sometimes little cloves. Um, so I would, pro- I would add some more next time. See, I think it was like the right amount for me, and I think that's why they chose that amount of spice, because you can... Always add more. You can always add a little bit more, but if you add too much, you're kind of screwed. And I think because they want to make their recipes kind of cater to the majority, you know, like a majority Mm -hmm. of people, I think that's why they include that much. And then you can always add it in after. So again, like you said, the perfect thing, like next time I brew it, I would make this change or this change to the recipe. And that's that's homebrewing, Shannon. The other thing I liked about the recipe they gave is they give you the method if you wanted to use real pumpkin in your brew they tell you kind of how to adjust the the amount of grains and things you need for that so that is something I feel like is a little ambitious for me at the moment (laughs) getting some raw pumpkin in there but maybe someday I will I will add that in and it'll be a whole new experience it'll be a whole new brew world yeah Shannon so I'm hoping I'll be ready in time for everyone to taste it yeah, it'd get some also feedback. A good, yeah, good uh, chance too to see, you know, your critique of a recipe that you mm-hmm. kind of follow along, and you know, then you make it your own by making adjustments later on. Yeah. So you brewed with Zach when they were here a couple weeks ago the blonde ale, the one that we had done for our brew off, but this time we split it in half and we added some mango. So for the brew off, we did 
peach, and now we added mango. So we have a mango blonde. Yeah, we were able to try this this week, and I think I liked it, but I still think the peach, the flavor of the peach just came out more than mango. So, so I, yeah, I think with the mango, even though I we did the same amount of puree to mm-hmm. blonde, the same ratio, I think for the mango, that fruit, you ne- really need to increase it a little bit compared to the peach that yeah. just when you add it to the wort and you add it to the beer and you infuse it, it kind of lingers on the end, but that's about it. It does if it's, at least it's to me. It's very subtle. I would definitely add. I agree. I would add more mango. Just give it a little more punch. We all know that I love a mango beer, so I was. I'm. I. It's definitely good. I enjoyed it. I'm interested to see how it's going to taste. I. I would add a little more mango next time. The peach was the perfect amount of peach, and the mango. I think we just need a little bit, a little bigger punch. Yeah, I think. Zach, uh, so I was kind of showing him the homebrewing, you know, on that scale of because he's getting into homebrewing. And we quick when we were milling the grains and weighing out our grain bill. uh, We soon realized that my store or the homebrew (laughs) store, because you had brewed. Because Shannon had snuck in that little. uh, I did my Pico brew. You snuck in that little Pico brew. Uh, blonde. I stole some of his ingredients and didn't replace them. Isn't that bad, like etiquette or something? Like using no, someone else's I mean, brewing ingredients and not replacing them? Like if you take someone's car, you should put gas in it afterwards. I mean, like I could just see <laughs> Shannon down You have there, to forgive me. Secretly scooping it out going, please don't come down the stairs. Please don't come down the stairs. And I, I just assumed, oh, she got her own ingredients. This is awesome. Like she's brewing her own beer. Whoops. But you know what? I... It was some of the ingredients that I didn't order a lot of because it wasn't available at the time uh, due to supply issues. So I was able to then uh, order more of it. So no worries there. But for this beer, <laughs> the first time I'm doing a large 10-gallon batch, it's like, oh, flaked corn. Whoop. Only have like maybe 75% of what my recipe yep. called for. <laughs> All right. I guess we'll see how this turns out. All right. Like, I guess, okay, we have, uh, we don't have enough um munich all right well let's see how it turns out like you just kind of roll with it and i think the blonde turned out just as good i think Mm -hmm. it it is different though and it's it's a little bit more light i would i would say it's not as malt forward as Mm -hmm. the blonde that uh we did for the once in a uh, blonde moon beer and also with the peach and i was like okay with that because i knew that we were going to cut it anyway and a blonde you know it's always good to just try something new and you know i think this is going to come out pretty good again our original gravity on this we're aiming for a 1.05 we came in at Mm 1.049 so i was like i'll take that and we can't, we took our two readings and it's looking to be about a 5% beer, which is just yep. where we wanted it to be. And I think the sweetness is there. I think the maltiness is there. Uh, again, I think the mango could be upped a little bit. But other than that, I think it's a great beer. And once that settles out again, so we infused it with the mango puree. And if you're infusing a blonde ale with a puree, just note that 
unless you really infuse it well when you're going into your fermenter, if you're just adding it into either your fermenter or, in our case, the uh, keg itself after fermentation, then you could get some very, very, what do you, would you say? Not sediment rich, but like super dark. It's not hazy. Hazy, but, uh, cloudy. Like cloudy, yeah. Cloudy from from that fruit. And again, mm-hmm. it's all in your preference on whether you want your fruit beer. You know, that's almost going into a fruit beer yeah. realm of it's kind of like a slushy, not a slushy, but that consistency. But again, there's ways around that as well mm-hmm. of that flotation device that you can put in your, your keg. Clear beer. Clear beer. Yeah, it works great. And same with IPAs. And actually, the IPA that I had talked about, I think two episodes ago that I had brewed, the Simcoe City using just Simcoe, it was a smash recipe that one even though it wasn't a lot of hops it still clogged the dip tube in my keg Mm. and again that's a very common issue to have and it's a very difficult one to fix Uh, if it's a heavy hop cake in there you some people say that you can use your co2 just put your co2 connection on it quickly kind of push it back into Mm -hmm. the beer but that's it's just going to clog again yeah other people say oh well you could take out the dip tube replace it make sure it's sanitized again every time you manipulate something you're adding that potential for contamination Mm -hmm. so it's not ideal at all but on a homebrew scale if you know you're okay with it and you are trying your best to stay sanitary yep but yeah we didn't have that issue with the blondes at all yeah so i'm excited for all of our our new beers i'm mostly excited because there's more than one well no i guess i should say there there's one at least that i will drink because we all know James is a big IPA fan, so that's what he tends to brew. So I don't usually drink his home brews because I'm not a huge fan of IPAs. But there'll actually be two beers. Three, actually three beers. There's three beers. The, yeah, because the there's the regular blonde, the regular mango blonde. blonde, and the pumpkin that I will yeah. I will be enjoying. So I'm excited for that. Yeah, I think it might be that the, I, the IPA is not to my liking at the moment. I feel like it's almost too bitter. And I also think it did get a little oxidation from having that little incident with the stuck dip tube and having to Mm -hmm. correct that. Um, But it was also probably the lowest IBU as well as alcohol content IPA I've ever done. It was a 4.1%. Oh, Oh, yeah, I remember you. It was a session. uh, I was going for like a session, almost a pale ale, like crossroads between a pale ale and IPA. I would probably characterize it as an IPA just based on the green bill. It was mostly uh, pale malt over using a lot of hops. So I would characterize it as a more of an IPA over a pale ale just because of it's, it doesn't have as many hops. And mm-hmm. the green bill that I use is very simple and light. And it, I think it would be categorized differently based on using pale malt versus two row and the criteria in the book. But again, so I think we have plenty of beers on tap in Oktoberfest as well. Sam Adams yeah. Oktoberfest. <laughs> I forgot because, about that one. We, you know, crowd pleaser. It's it's one of my favorite fall beers. Fail safe. Fail safe. And I think a lot of local breweries are surpassing this to me, but I think it's nostalgia as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, just getting that nostalgia beer in. Yeah, definitely. So excited to see what people think of our beers yep. and excited to... Have them on draft at our own home brewery bar. Yes. Very exciting. Fi- bar is finally in. James excited. Been working working hard with our lovely neighbor to get that built. So 
Yeah, our neighbor Eric did an amazing job with this bar. And I just, it just blew, blew my expectations out of the water. We both kind of had an idea. Out of mind. all the water we had from our steam condenser. <laughs> oh, Shannon, Shannon bringing the hurt tonight. Oh, shit. Sorry. Yes, wow. it was, it was, it came out great. We love it. James is very excited. We've had one or two hangout sessions down there so far. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's weird to have it actually in our basement and not a figment of our imagination. imagination. <laughs> and so the best thing is that it's a functioning bar where we had an amazing oak bar in our previous house that was from a law firm in Boston. Um, and it had these griffins on the front. It had the brass footrail, just super nostalgic of like old times, old Boston, and it was just an amazing bar, but it wasn't functional to the point where you could serve things on draft. Mm-hmm. It was just basically your standard at-home bar where you put your hard alcohol beneath in the shelves, and it, that's it. It was also like 2,000 pounds, and there was no way I was paying the movers to move that thing out of our basement. So luckily, we uh, yeah, I got to, the new owners to agree to keep it. I had a, uh, a you good You ended week. up with this bar. I had a good week of crying with the last couple couple drinks at that bar again didn't use it that often but again i appreciated the the craftsmanship that went into mm-hmm. that bar and so on this bar i'm like you know what it's going to be functional because it's going to be part of the home brewery and also where we are going to record uh for the podcast oh snap and <laughs> so yeah it's it's going to be great it it's great actually it's has the kegerator built into it it's got some shelves in there so I can put the glassware. Mm-hmm. Um, it even has the built-in drip tray where I use the same tubing that I use with my brewing equipment to be able to reuse some tubing that I wasn't going to use for my brewing equipment anymore. And instead of throwing it out, I could use it for... Repurpose. Repurpose. Yeah, exactly. Reuse, uh, recycle, um, use that for the drain, and it works perfectly. So stoked to have people sit there and enjoy some home brews yeah. and craft brews and yeah and showcase the home brewery logo on the front of the bar and it's it's great yeah and then the secret surprise it also comes with a speaker box <laughs> what's a speaker box shannon <laughs> that's like my new like batman teaser like six seconds of my voice Okay, I will be sure and to like, isolate that. you're like, I will that. not see that movie, is what you're saying. <laughs> I'll be sure to isolate that for future use. What Are you asking me what a speaker box is? It's a, it's a box that houses or it kind of hides our speaker in the basement, but it is decorative. Eric went above and beyond on his design skills and made it match the aesthetic of the bar, and it's very nice. And our speaker lights up, so then you see different color lights through our podcast logo that is in a steel plate on the front. The pulse is actually the pulse of brewing, Shannon. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this is like an Igor Gollum voice going on and I'm not really, I don't know if I'm down Come for on. it. It's October. Come on. We got to get, we got to get people excited. It's October. It's, it's a fun time. Okay. And costumes are coming out soon. Yeah. yeah. Candy. That is very true. And speaking of October, just kind of transition before we get to my homebrew shop um, equipment of the of the episode. 
explanation. You wanted to maybe recommend some fall seasonal leaf peeping brews for folks to enjoy because we are up here in New England and it is prime leaf peeping season. We can look at our at this new house. We are in the woods and we can look right outside and get some leaf. We get free. free. People pay hundreds of dollars to see our <laughs> what we see out our back window. So very exciting. And it's what are you sipping while you're looking at those leaves, James? I know you're just out oh, there staring. I'm just looking at, at the foliage and just staring at the foliage. Smelling and in that crisp autumn air. The crisp autumn air. Wet leaves. Oh, those wet leaves. This is just we- getting weird. <laughs> okay. And we're talking about leaf peeping here, not peeping. We don't want any peeping toms. Uh, I knew you were going to say that. Of course. I mean, you have to. I mean, you go follow the leaves, okay? And <laughs> so... If you have someone out there that wants to go leaf peeping and uh, it's not your thing, uh, why don't you recommend some places where you can go where you can have your favorite craft beer or have a craft beer while you do it? That sounds good to me. Does that sound good to you? Yeah, sure. Well, I mean, again, you said we can look outside our window and just see it. Yeah, come to our deck, everyone. You can hang out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, come on. Come on by. So... A lot of people I know that do the leaf peeping, they go up to Maine. And so my recommendation is Atlantic Brewing's Leaf Peeping Ale. And they are very brilliant with that name because of it's a seasonal brew for them. Mm-hmm. Um, Atlantic Brewing up in Bar Harbor, Maine. It's a 5% ABV. So perfect. Like you don't want to get shit faced when you're staring at leaves because <laughs> you might get lost in the woods. And that will turn into a horror film that. Yes. For this Halloween season. Yes. And it's an English style red ale, um, which I love red ales. And I think the fall season's the perfect time to indulge in those maltier beverages, mm-hmm. such as a red ale. And they use Caramunic malt as well as pale malt. And they use the crystal malt, which gives it a really nice red color. And that's like one of the things I love about this beer is just it's so malty. But it's got that nice balance of sweetness, and it's got that nice red foliage color. Mm-hmm. Red apples, red foliage. Yeah, and you can just grab something just like it's perfect for you to hike up Cadillac Mountain in Bar Harbor, go stop at Atlantic Brewing, have the leaf peeping red ale with their barbecue, mm-hmm. which is an amazing barbecue that they have there. Yep, definitely recommend. Highly recommend checking them out. And then my number two beer. Again, I love IPAs, so this time of year is great. I didn't know that. Oh, I didn't know that. You do now. (laughs) Shannon's like, yeah, that statement that I made earlier in the podcast, I'm going to edit that out. Redact that. Redact it. Take it back. No, no take backs. I I love the wet hopped IPAs, which actually last episode you had asked me what a wet hopped IPA is. Yes, I did. So make sure you listen to that episode if you want to know what a wet hopped IPA is, but so, wet hopped IPA, highly recommend those this time of year because a lot of the local farms and everything are, they're, you know, cranking those out and you can just put those right in your brews. And so, I recently had the Hoppy Valley Wet Hopped IPA. It rang in at 6.0% ABV. This is by Abandoned Building Brewing out of East Hampton, Massachusetts. And they use Cascade and Centennial Hops, two of my favorite hops. And they actually use hops picked locally at four star farms and also shannon they use local malt from valley malt so that's really cool that they use local and 
again, I don't know if it might be that if they're considered a farmhouse brewery where you have to use a percentage within your state of mm-hmm. ingredients. So that could be it. But it's also a win-win. I think it's a great initiative. And I also think that using local when you can is amazing. Yep, definitely. Love it, to get that local stuff. And it makes the beer unique. I mean, the region in which the ingredients are grown and the skilled maltsters and crafters mm-hmm. in that they make make those products are just amazing at what they do and they really can make a great beer. So those are my two recommendations. What would you say for when you stare out your window <laughs> when when I'm down in the basement uh, tinkering with my brewing stuff and you're just staring at the fall foliage? Yeah, so I know that you wanted me to say Rosemary's Baby. Well, that would be obviously. I mean, that's obvious by now. I don't think everyone needs to know that I like that because I do. So, yes. obviously, a good option. But obviously, I'm gonna go. It's. I'm probably alienating a lot of people because these are very local beers to us, so they're not widely distributed. But if you are in the Massachusetts area, I highly recommend going to check out these places. One of um, the places that we've been recently and is kind of in our new area is Rushford and Sons. And we did a little, well, James was not invited. We did a little girl's trip to the brewery with my mom and my friend and the baby. Just a little girl's outing. We got thirsty after we bought some books and went to a craft fair. You know how we do. Yeah. Hey, I'm going out to get some books. All right, great. Have fun. Uh, Sends me the picture of them at a brewery. And I'm like. It was by uh, the car. uh, We uh, were thirsty. Anyways, so while I was there, I got to try their Autumn's Harvest, which was their pumpkin ale, and I really enjoyed it. It was had a little bit of that maltiness, but the perfect amount of spice added in, and it was, I think you would have liked it. It was not too heavy on the spice, so it was just a good, subtle flavor there. And then we also recently checked out a very small nano brewery in Millbury, and that is Penny Pinchers Brewing. And while we were there, I had their yard sale series number 10, which is a sweet potato casserole amber ale. And I thought that was, it was different. I was intrigued when I first read about it. And it had a very nice finish that definitely tasted like a sweet potato casserole. Like I got that little sweet, um, like in the back of my mouth. And I could, like, if I put fluff on that beer, it would have been. Like heaven. <laughs> like you're talking actual like marshmallow fluff. Yes. Okay. Just, I was like, does she mean like put more like head on that beer? Like- no, sorry. I don't know. I guess if you're not from the New England area, fluff is literally marshmallow you put on your sandwich <laughs> because that's how we do here in New England. I believe actually it was invented in Massachusetts, I think. I don't know. I hate it. I don't know why you would hate fluff, but it's delicious. Peanut butter and fluff sandwiches. Gotta go with peanut butter and jelly. You no, can't go peanut with peanut butter and fluff. fluff. Delicious. So if you were in the area, I'd also recommend checking out Penny Pinchers. They are small and a lot of their beers are not on tap for long and they may never be on tap again. So. Yeah, I like that they're, they had, I think, three or four yard series, I think is what they call their their experiment. The yard sale series, yep. Yeah, the yard sale mm-hmm. series. And you had the Schwartz beer when we The were Schwartz beer was amazing. That was like an ESB kind of beer. And it was just great. It was, I like that place because I I really like supporting the smaller breweries that, again, like they were just talking on how they had just got a TV screen in their 
uh, brew house or their brewery tap room because mm-hmm. on Sundays no one was coming in and they needed to try and bring people in. Yep. And it seemed to work. I mean, when we were there, yeah, there, there was, was a decent like amount five of people. people in there. Yeah. Again, it's a super small brewery where I'd say max you could fit like what, like 30 people in there? Maybe. Maybe. Yeah, like maybe not co- non-COVID times. Correct. Yes. So yeah. I would recommend checking those out if, if you're able to. And before I move on to the last segment, I just want to let you know that fluff was invented in Somerville, Massachusetts over a hundred years ago. So just want to put that out there. So, so I think Shan just wants to go back a hundred years from now. She's always talking about like, Oh, I'd love to live in the colonial times. I'm like, are you kidding? The colonial me? times were definitely not a hundred years ago. A hundred years ago was 1921. Can we let that sink in? Oh yeah. So the colonial period was like 300 years. Well, ago. But you always say you want to go back to colonial times. And I'm like, why? There wasn't any fluff in colonial times. Why? (laughs) Well, something that's not in colonial times is the equipment I'm going to highlight in this week's brew shop. Look at you go. Yeah. You little home brewer, you. So I just wanted to, I'm going to highlight the wort chiller because that is something you've added. Well, as part of your new setup, you have the plate chiller. So... I just thought I would just do a quick overview of the wort chiller and what it does. So a wort chiller allows you to rapidly decrease the temperature of a beer after the brewing process has ended. And this allows you to get better clarity on the beer because it helps the cloudiness settle. And there's actually two different types of wort chillers. And that is the immersion and counterflow. So immersion is a coil of metal that you place directly in the hot wort. And then it's hooked up to a water source and the water, a cold water source, and the water runs to the coils and cools the wort um, from the inside out. And then there's also the counterflow, which is basically a coil inside a coil. So the beer, or sorry, the wort is pumped one direction inside the inner coil, and then the cold water was pumped the opposite direction in the outer coil, and that cools down your beer. And you right now have a plate chiller, which is the counterflow method. So I was just curious briefly, James, because I know we uh, people have listened to us talk for a long time now. So what do you... They've been, they've been listening to us for 61 episodes now. Yes. That's cr- so James, you have only used the counterflow method, correct? Yeah. And the reason for that, again, for, with the grandfather was that it included counterflow connection for the grandfather. And so... Why would go outside of that when it's an all-in-one system? So typically, you'll see the counterflow method being used in all-in-one electric systems just because they're so easy to use um, because everything's being used all together. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an easy thing for them to use, and they assume most people, you know, it's, it's simple. It's easy, and I guess the biggest thing for me to think when I got it was, oh, my gosh, like, the beer is going to get, could get contaminated by the water that's going in it. Like, but no, it's your, your hot wort is going to sterilize that line before. And the cold water is not actually touch interacting yeah, with the two liquid, separate, the two separate coils. Yeah. Immersion is great for those who have the boil kettles and stuff. Even the three kettle systems, those are, that's usually the way to go. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're using a three vessel or three kettle, system in immersion is something that people even have made their own immersion uh, chillers going and getting copper tubing and bending it into that circular motion and creating it themselves you can also buy them very reasonably priced and that goes into your wart you know as you explained Mm -hmm. versus the alternate method and i think the difference for me 
I was both counterflow methods, one using the actual coil counterflow method versus a plate chiller. The plate chiller got that wart down so fast. Wicked fast. Wicked fast, as we say in Boston. So fast that I was a little, like, confused at first by the plate chiller because I'm like, wait, I don't have to, like, recircul- like run the, the beer through it multiple times to get it, mm-hmm. cold, like, to chill. One and done, out. baby. No, it was one and done. And I'm like, this is amazing. Like, literally, I just had, again, the, a waste bucket for that waste water that's cold water coming out. Again, reuse that for, actually, we use that for your garden. Mm-hmm. So that water was used for the garden. And so as the cold water was going into that one side of the plate chiller and going through, the hot wart went through the other. And instantly, like that, it was like bingo, 68 bango. degrees. Bingo, bango. Got down to like 70 degrees pretty quickly, like. Just running the beer and using the the pure flow valve from SS Brewtech and just slowing. That was the key of controlling how much wort was getting put through that chiller. Mm-hmm. And it was it was simple. Um, again, cleaning was simple as well with it. So highly recommend plate chillers and counterflow okay. method. So I think it was a win. Yeah. Well, that is wort chillers for all y'all. And lastly, just wanted to let everyone know if you're interested that November 6th is Learn to Homebrew Day. So if you are still on the fence about learning to homebrew, now there's a day where you have to do it. So it's on the books. It's on the books, folks. (laughs) Well, as always, thank you so much for listening to us talk to each other. And we are always looking for homebrewers to share their story with us. So if you are interested, please shoot us a message on our Instagram at Double Hot Beat Podcast. And be sure to follow us on our Instagram. That just helps us get to more homebrewers out there. And also make sure you tag your friends in your favorite posts or episodes. And you can rate, review, and subscribe to us wherever you listen to your podcast. We really appreciate it. And it helps us get our name out there for more listeners and to reach again, more homebrewers. So yeah. We... Thank, thanks so much everybody for continuing to support us. Thank you all for listening. This has been double, double hoppy. Catch, Catch you on the brew side. side.